Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that from the outside may just look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk about this week's news. News. Uh, first off, a uh, little, uh, little business to take care of. Uh, shout out, pouring one out, pouring one napalm out for my, <laughs> my boy John Woodcock. Who stepped down from the Labour Party today, became yep. an independent. An independent member. <laughs> One thing he's not going to be independent from are his massive number of uh, military industrial complex <laughs> uh, patrons and mentors. Yep. Um, in fact, he might be the least independent MP in history. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I also figure I saw um, just a, cu- a couple of things that have happened with regards to John Woodcock and his own constituency Labour Party. Yeah. Um, since 2015. Yeah. Since 2015, um, they there was one complaint against his behaviour. Then in 2017, they expressed deep concerns about his effectiveness as an MP. In 2017, 2,500 plus local voters signed a petition to have him removed. <laughs> in 2018, they made an official complaint to the NEC. In 2018, again, they asked to have him replaced. Um, then he was suspended for sexual harassment and then he just happened to leave because anti-Semitism was just too unbearable for him to deal with <laughs> being in Barrow and Furnace. Um, yeah. um, so maybe I'm right about, maybe he, he's right. Maybe Jeremy Corbyn is a genuine danger to the state mm-hmm. if he became prime minister. And to be honest, John Woodcock would know about dangers to the state being, you know, as he's friends with Erdogan and... <laughs> numerous Saudi military officials and the entire board of BAE. He's not going to stand for... He's not going to call a by-election uh, no, or anything not, democratic like that. Well, it would be difficult because, I mean, you know, his constituency is the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, so mm-hmm. it would be difficult. He's got a... He has to spend so much time... I think it's, it's really hard. You know, like when... some, Especially when you live so far away from London mm. um, as John Woodcock and you have to have yeah. his second home. He has to have, then, a home in Riyadh. He has a home in Istanbul... <laughs> You know, it's it's really hard for him. And wherever BAE are based. Where are BAE based now? Uh, Seventh Circle? <laughs> uh, they're in that area, I think. <laughs> in the area between Istanbul and, and Somewhere Riyadh. in between. No, no, no. I mean in the null space between Istanbul and Riyadh, <laughs> what is known as ISIS-controlled Syria. Um, <laughs> to be fair, it's weird a lot he, of their equipment is based there. <laughs> I said, no, he has the receipts. <laughs> God, I hate that man. I hate that man so much. He's been how threatening this for so long as well. After like, the last election, how he wasn't, like, if he wasn't going to be kicked out of the party after the last election saying, I cannot vote for Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, I'm going to campaign to be MP, but I could not possibly vote for Jeremy Corbyn as PM. It's like, you are, like, I know people say this as like an insult all the time, but you genuinely don't belong in the party because it seems to make you very upset. You don't seem to actually, like, want I'm, to be in the Labour Party. I'm not sure what he believes in other than money and guns. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those... He is He is a proper authentocrat MP. Mm-hmm. He is, um, you know, the working people, they love patriotism. That happens to funnel money to whichever ally our state says we're allied with. <laughs> I've seen him Whichever hugging children state. with his. I've seen him hugging children with his nuclear arms. You should have seen him when he delivered his uh, resignation letter. He just lifted up his top. Say goodbye to these, <laughs> and it's just two ICBMs with flat caps on them. <laughs> oh god, he's so terrible. He is really. I saw he did a thing about pylons. He complained about pylons in Barrow and Furnace, saying they were going to stop all you know building of any more big ugly pylons. But mm. you know he has no problem with trident beams, you know. But you know those pylons. Yeah, if you're near those cables, you might you might get leukemia. Whereas nuclear missiles, <laughs> famously safe, famously safe. He's he is one of those like uh, those those uh, not the word chicken hawk, but like he he's been a thorn in he's been this constant loud voice that just doesn't want anything to do with Corbyn or the Labour Party, and it surprised me that he's lasted this long. Yeah, I'm to be so, honest, he, yeah, he, um, it was obvious they wanted to get rid of him, and they, he points out in his, in his resignation letter that they wanted to get rid of him. Yeah, it um, was specifically that he felt that his sexual harassment allegations yeah. would not get a fair hearing. I think it's really brave of him to, even though he's leaving the Labour Party and therefore, um, 
that sexual harassment thing is being dropped now. Yeah. He is going to put it forward. He's going to be investigated by an investigation investigator of his choosing. <laughs> Which is very brave of him. <laughs> because Erdogan is a very strict <laughs> investigator. You can see what he does to people. <laughs> He'll go to Riyadh to have a fair trial for this poor woman that he sexually harassed. <laughs> God, he's ter- he is terrible, and I'm glad he's gone. Um, yeah. I'm dis- disgusted that there isn't going to be a by-election, but of course there isn't going to be a by-election, because everyone fucking hates him. He had a majority of like about 200 and something. Yeah, and as you say, like 2,000 members of his local party wanted to get rid of him. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's a joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what else happened? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's um, um, today. Oh, uh, Margaret Hodge. Yeah, Margaret um, Hodge shouting at Jeremy Corbyn, calling him a fucking racist and an anti-Semite. Yeah. It, it first that's ca- the thing. It first came the important out- thing. In the last couple of years, especially since Jeremy Corbyn's been leader, I've heard... Why do people pronounce it anti-Semite now? Is that just taking an Americanism? Like, I've heard it with people saying Antifa now as well, rather than Antifa. Oh, yeah, that's that's just because um, it's Americans become a whole... Them. It's become a whole new word and a new signifier for things that people hate. And I can't... I Maybe it's just one person who said it, and then because it's the word... Yeah. People think it's I'm like, not wrong. People did used to say anti-Semite. It is anti-Semite. Yeah, like, but they all say anti-Semite. It's, it's just semi- confusing. Semitic... Me. Yeah, yeah, but it just confuses yeah. me. But yeah, so she, the she followers did that. of Semit. Uh... <laughs> so she did that, and she's been, she's gonna be. I think she's gonna be in trouble for screaming at Jeremy Corbyn in, yeah. in the House of Parliament. Which, um, to be honest, I don't think it's smart of them really to make it go on any longer than it does. But then you have people like fucking Liz Kendall on um, Twitter saying about how oh she stopped the BNP in barking, and it's like yeah. by taking their policies. Yeah, the woman's a racist. Yeah, she's um, constantly talked about the white working class yeah. and how it needs to be put further up, like council housing lists, and you yeah, know so we need to, you know, we need to seriously look at the impact of immigration upon um, public services. She got rid of street level white supremacy in the southeast in like in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. It was not the Labour Party. Yeah. It definitely wasn't the Labour Party. It definitely well, wasn't. No, in the 70s it definitely wasn't millionaire steel back <laughs> scions of steel yeah, she families. Is, isn't she? She's she's independently wealthy. Yeah. Uh, it's it's. I don't know if you can call it independently well, you know, wealthy. Her independently family, wealthy her sounds is, so. Um, is, even sound even that makes it sound like she's done more than she actually did. You know, inheriting steel money. <laughs> it's so oldie worldy. It's like the the trust in um Rochester. Who um they that really rich family that made all their money from building the original wood bridge across the Medway, <laughs> and they're still wealthy and have that big house. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. Margaret Hodge is one of those names I recognise from the New Labour period, but couldn't put a specific oh, like face to the name. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Like it's like a Heidi Alexander. Yeah, as someone like that, you 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 notice them and then you look them up and it's like, oh yeah, they're fucking monsters. Yeah, yeah. um, but like. The John Woodcock and the Margaret Hodge things kind of raises a different question about like how party discipline is meted out in the Labour Party yeah. and how it's perceived by the media. Yeah. Because do you notice how every time Theresa May deals with Tory rebels, it's like, oh, she's back on top. She's in control. Look yeah. at what a strong move from Theresa May when, you know, she's she uh, shut them down. Yeah. And whenever Jeremy Corbyn um, has to deal with something like this, agree with the way he deals with it or not it's all oh, more chaos or oh, yeah. he's really he's really showing his venezuelan roots by putting down this like, after that fuck? after that vote the um four labor mps voted with the government on and the, the press have reported it as the labor party entirely split on this it's like no four shit right-wing labor mps they're the, they are the four labor hard brexiters hmm. and they have been hard Brexiters for years. Yeah. Kate Huey is indistinguishable from a Tory. Um, no, I think that's being um, mean to Tories. She's indistinguishable from a member of UKIP. Uh, yeah. She was on that yeah. boat with Farage. Yeah. She's, ha- again, it's one of those weird oddities of the parliamentary system that she, as far right as she is, that she is still a member of the Labour Party. It's yeah. crazy. Frank Fields, he's always been um, like anti-EU. Yeah. Um, for vaguely socialist reasons, but you know, mm-hmm. well, kind of the hangover of socialist reasons. <coughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, if anything, he's way softer on them than any of 
like the new Labour Party machine would have been. Oh yeah, they would have all been way gone. easier. They would have been gone in a heartbeat. And I don't quite, I don't quite get how people can think he's this hard, hard-handed dictator. No, if anything, he's too soft. Yeah. Like um, because the anti-Semitism thing, I think there is, there are, mm. there are anti-Semites in the Labour Party. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're probably over the age of 45. It's like yeah. old, cranky left-wingers. Yeah. Um, and it's... There are, like... He still associates with people that there's a lot of suspicion about, mm. and like abusers and bad members of the Socialist Worker Party, that kind of stuff. And the reason, like, it's because he's soft. He's like, these people were his main... Friends for like 30, 40 years. Despite what people think about Jeremy Corbyn and how he's betrayed, again, as like a a, sex, a factionalist, a, a factional kind of maniac. Yeah. Um, he's not. He's a broad church guy. Yeah. He is a big tent guy, but on the left. And he like never it. severs a connection with somebody who he's gone to a yeah. rally with, gone to a yeah. demo with. Somebody who he thinks he can bring into a particular issue or situation. I was like, I think I probably was more in favour of a kind of broad church, big tent approach yeah. until Occupy. I think Occupy properly proved to everyone that mm. that kind of approach is, is really wrong-footed. If you're talking then, about campaigning, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, then I, I, I mean, the, you talk about politics, like, high, yeah. like if you like parliamentary politics yeah. as well, but yeah. no, I agree. On, on yeah. the one hand, you have like... Um, a perfectly reasonable crusty punk of his dog on a string. Yeah. And on the other hand you have um what's his name? Weave. Yeah. Um and no, that's too that's too broad a church. My broad church is rap and metal. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh metal bands who hire a DJ. <laughs> I sometimes like Doom and Hardcore. <laughs> I'm willing this is my broad church. This is my broad church approach of just you know, I am willing to accept all the genres of metal. Most of the genres of metal. Some of it, no, but most of the genres of metal. An agrophobic nosebleed of all the talents. Yes, <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird one because like uh, yeah, Margaret Hodge is someone who the Labour Party would have had to deal with at some point. Uh, John Woodcock is somebody who they definitely would have had to deal oh, with at some point like, because there's no there's no point like he's not he's not even bringing another um, perspective. Oh no, he's just angling on behalf of his particular like money funders. Trade. His yeah. funders. He's yeah. he's a, he's it's very straightforward. Mm. Um, on the plus side, with John Woodcock, you know, taking himself out, <laughs> it means that you can focus on people like Mike Gapes <laughs> or <laughs> John Mann. Yeah, John Mann's another oh, one. Who's KD. the guy with the head who looks like a bubble? Um, Ian Austin, that's the one. Don't know who that is. Um, he's a, he's just Stupid. he's a, uh, he's the same he's the same kind of guy. Uh, he said in an interview, "I'm ashamed of the Labour Party after the anti-Semitism ruling." Mm. Um, their their ruling was that they're going to adopt the INRA uh, definition of anti-Semitism, which actually, from the other op, uh, like uh, definition of it, um, does put like uh Palestinian rights activists in a difficult position. Does it? Apparently so. I've I, I literally I literally haven't had a chance to read it. Yeah. yeah. No. It's um, um it's the yeah. anti Semitism stuff is driving me really insane because I just want them to get on with it because Well the thing I is they have move. they have yeah. gotten on with it. They're they, never gonna be allowed to it was to this this week or or a couple of weeks like there's nothing he can do yeah. because all of it feeds into a lot of it feeds into kind of certain people's like support for Israel mm-hmm. and all of the things and it obscures and uh covers over the actual like the actual anti Semitism mm. within the Labour Party. Yeah. It's it's it you can't prize those two things apart, yeah. it seems. And you can't oh it's that, it's the thing that drives me it's like all this all the polls and all the all the investigations even. Um there's so much more anti Semitism racism on the right. Yeah. Um and it's like I don't want it's not what about re, it's not I I think that realistically the left needs to be better because we are better we do technically have the moral high ground so we need to stay as morally pure as possible so we should root out every abuser and anti-semite every racist and homophobe you know get rid of all of them because the right aren't ever going to do that because they love that shit they (laughs) They love a bit of racism keeping uh 
particular kinds of othering and racism in the right has always been a tactic because that's the kind of world they see. Yeah, exactly. They see a hierarchical world, like left-wingers see an egalitarian world, mm. one where that stuff doesn't matter and is taken into consideration mm. as regards like policy and, mm. and how you treat people and things like that. But yeah, I it, it seems never-ending. It just seems like something that will be brought up every single time um, as a way to clobber Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. You know? mm. Anyway. What next? Well, so this week, yes. Uh, I mean, normal, normal president comes to normal, normal country. Personally, I love President Normal. Um, he's he so is, good. To be honest, he he's not, he's not, he is obnoxious. He's fucking horrible. He's so much more entertaining. <laughs> like it's horrible, and I really wish he didn't exist. Yeah, and I yeah. really wish he didn't have any of this power. Um, but Hillary Clinton would be droning and would be doing all of this shit, but she'd be so boring while at it. She wouldn't be, you know, saying, kind of bloodless, I love Putin, he's a great guy. Bloodless evil. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I love Putin, he's great. Or having an interview with a friendly journalist in the sun, slagging off Theresa May and then saying, oh, luckily I've taped the, re- taped, taped the interview because I know what the journalists are like. And it's like, well, no, they taped it too, that's... That's what journalism. Oh, you terrible! Man. I mean, he started off by he had he was coming hot off a NATO meeting, where he slagged off uh, Angela Merkel for he said he was like, oh, where have I got? I've got it was it. about the gas line to Russia. It's like you get all your gas from Russia, therefore you're in Putin's pocket. Uh, uh, there we go. Um, he gave an interview in Scotland about it. He said, uh, "I think the European Union is a foe." What they do to us in trade. Now, you wouldn't think of the European Union, but they're a foe. Russia is a foe in certain respects. China is a foe economically, certainly. They're a foe. But that doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean anything. Look, EU is very difficult. I want to tell you, maybe the thing that's most difficult. Don't forget, both of my parents were born in EU sectors. I mean, my mother was, my mother was Scotland. My father was Germany. And, you know, I love those countries, but in a trade sense, they have really taken advantage of us. And many of those countries are in NATO and they weren't paying their bills. And, you know, I, as an example, have a big problem with Germany because Germany made a pipeline deal with Russia where they're going to be paying Russia billions and billions of dollars a year for energy. And I say that's not good. That's not fair. You're supposed to be fighting for someone. And then that someone gives you billions of dollars to the one that you're guarding against. I think it's ridiculous. So I let that be known this time. It's a it's a weird kind of he's what what the thing is, he's too stupid He's too uh, uninformed to know that he's actually saying the way, kind of the way things are, which is that uh, the EU does pivot between seeing Russia as an existential foe and trading with them as a part of the global economy. They do the same thing with China. Mm. And he's just coming in and saying, well, Germany is supposed to be an enemy of Russia, but they buy their gas. And it's like, well, yeah, no, you're, you're... that is correct. Where else are they going to buy their gas from? Where else are they going to get their gas? Where else is anyone going to get their gas from? They've got yeah. huge gas fields. Like it's, it's the thing. It was watching um, the thing with um, Theresa May and NATO and Putin, and I was overcome with an incredible feeling of like I felt really bad for President Xi of China <laughs> because, like, Putin's used to dealing with. I'm going to assume chemically altered thugs. <laughs> I'm mainly thinking about thingy in Kazakhstan. Not Kazakhstan. Yeah, Kazakhstan. No, you're thinking no. of thingy in Chechnya. Chechnya. That's yeah, the yeah. one I'm thinking of. Kadyrov? Uh, um, yeah, the one with the, the, the child cage fighting. Yeah. I imagine he takes a lot of... He's death. a proper old-fashioned strongman. Yeah. In that, you know, he wears all the national dress hmm. and, you know... He makes children he fight ta- for He him. talks <laughs> about how, you know, he's raising yeah. his 17 strong boys yeah. to take over for him. So Putin's kind of used to dealing with those kind of people. Hmm. Theresa May, I'm never going to feel sorry for Theresa May. Um, no, not at you all. You know, this is all her own fault. But then you've just got President G just trying to deal with this terribly, terribly stupid... If he was just born in a slightly different family, he'd be a failing letting agent. <laughs> and he's having to deal with this man and not just, like, have him killed. And when you could, that must... Like, I can't have Trump killed. Yeah. I could... And so an interview with Trump would be really galling for me. But if I could have him killed, it would be unbearable. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you'd have the power to have anyone killed... 
<laughs> and you couldn't kill the one person who was in front who's of you. Who was really, really asking for a slap. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. He's yeah. terrible and he's annoying. <laughs> and he's so dumb. But watching Theresa May be so, like, embarrassed by him and being called, like, shit. And then him standing next to her going, actually, no, I love her. She's great. <laughs> She's my best friend. We held hands. <laughs> but again, it's like... All of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, except he has no behind the scenes. No. So it's like, oh, this this fucking woman again. Jesus. Mm. You know what's happening with her, right? You know Boris Johnson is gonna go come and be leader. I like him. He's a he's a character. He's again, a, showing how he's, stupid he's fucking a Trump is and thinking that Boris would ever have the balls to do anything and then talking, other than cheat on his but, wife. But also talking to the sun as if it's yeah. like, Oh, okay, they don't get the sun in England. <laughs> Giving an interview like in Scotland, it's like, yeah. oh, don't worry, this is for the BBC in Scotland, they'll never see it in Germany. Yeah. And then going, oh, I love you, I love it. No, don't listen to them. And just straight up lying, mm. just coming out, like saying one thing to the sun mm. and coming out the next day and saying, nah, nah, I never said that. Uh, not even trying to equivocate, like, mm. like, well, actually, I think you'll find what I meant was. He doesn't say that. He just says, no, I never said that. Yeah. And it's like, you absolutely did. Yeah. Um, and... I really hate the idea of a trade deal with America. Um, because this was the thing I was thinking every about bit at of the produce same time. For, like, um, American electronics are shit. American cars are shit. Mm. American food is dreadful. It's shocking. Like it's, the, the, the stuff that them, American food is made of. Like, like, pro- pro- very glad that I don't eat meat because mm. the rates of E. coli in America is shocking. Yeah. Um, it's something people were pointing out this weekend that like... The, the whole thing that we've not been maybe tracking quite as much with all the arguments about Brexit is the fact that they, there are plenty of people in America who would definitely look at England as a place to dump cheap goods yeah. in the same way that they do in Mexico and basically shock doctrinous. Hmm. Hmm. But the thing is, uh, there's a lot of people that have like hardline Brexiters, like the more working class hardline Brexiters who are yeah. actually going to be affected by any of this stuff, yeah. um, that are going to see, as, as soon as it's done, a sudden reduction in the quality of every single product they own. Yeah. It's going to be really quite startling. Yeah. Um, just a little thing. Do you know any American who has come here and said that the Cadbury's chocolate back in America is better than the one here? I actually do. That's not true. Yeah, I mean, I do. That's not true. Yeah. The Cadbury's chocolate here is always better. Is better than the one in America. It is. What the Cadbury's chocolate here from Holland? Well, you no, know, you know the, the one, the one from yeah, the one in the EU <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah. better than the one in America. Yeah. American chocolate is shockingly bad. It is really bad. <laughs> and without seeming like oh, James O'Brien did a thing today. It's like if they take away my fancy cheeses, it's like you are literally explaining why Brexit happened in this complaint about cheese. <laughs> But um, the main main thing I worry about is like food because I don't think the NHS could deal with that many E. coli outbreaks. Yeah, yeah. Um, seeing as it can't deal with the C. diff outbreaks. And of course, looking at the NHS as well, after it, uh, I mean, obviously it's not exactly protected by mm. the EU and its very various competition laws, but being opened up in potentially a new free mm. trade deal with America, which would be the last bastion because that's what they're holding out for. Like they talk about the Commonwealth, oh, no, they talk that. about. Like, there's a, a new Japanese trade deal that they've just done. And you talk about all that and losing all that, but opening up one for America to essentially dump mm. goods on the UK is not a good thing. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he met the Queen. He did meet the Queen. Um, and did you see the long thread about how the Queen owned him by wearing a very expensive I snowflake did. brooch? Yeah, that the Obama's... Made of sapphires and diamonds stolen from all of the world's nations. That Obama gave him. What was it? Gave her, sorry. What was it? Oh, I assumed it was, yeah. I assumed it was one of those, those heirlooms of the royal family that was, you know, a bit mine from India, a bit mine from Africa. <laughs> I thought it was one of those ones. You know, like, I'm starting to seriously question how anti-Trump the Queen is. To be honest, uh, how you know I, she tweets doubt- all the time hashtag the resistance, and I'm starting to see the left wing credentials and I'm the style to, of the house. I'm, starting, <laughs> I'm starting to doubt that she has any notion of what it is to rebel against entrenched power and wealth. <laughs> just it's just an inkling, you know. She mm. performed very well, in fact, like Trump was, <laughs> I think Trump kind of owned her. 
You know they've all been doing that walking that they've been doing that gif of um, oh, yeah, Trump walking walk. in front of the Queen. Yeah. And it's like it's because he walks exactly the same way as she does. Yeah. Because like he's the most important person. Like the they're room. the most important person. Yeah. I mean his is slightly more affected, whereas hers is like built down. She like, can't built walk in. any other way. It's down to the bone, yeah. that sense of um power and, and mm. hierarchy and all that stuff. Mm. But I, I don't know what people were expecting from a state visit. There were a lot of people going... Well, it wasn't supposed to be a state believe. visit, was it? it, it but it was. There, they well, did it all some, in, essentially yeah, in secret. Because we have n- literally no power over whether it's a state visit yeah. or not. It's a it's a civil service thing. It's a government thing. Yeah. Like, either he gets a state visit or he doesn't. And when he did, he was getting everything. Yeah. Like, there was no... We didn't the, get the carriage. A, a weird kind of, like, liberal... A lot of liberal, liberal middle-class people were kind of saying, oh... I, I I wouldn't serve him the good claret. You know that kind of stuff, like mini microaggression, Do you see undermining your enemy at a dinner party, but undermining the tr- like Trump. Mm. Do you see? It's the, like um, you know that's not how the real world works. Nicholas Soames was um, upset by that picture of Trump sitting in his grandfather's chair. <laughs> yeah, that chair has seen some things, but one thing it has never seen is a fat genocidal oath. <laughs> Trying not to look fat. You see the picture of him, the way he's sitting. Yeah. It looks like he's trying to like look as long as possible. I think yeah, the thing is, like, I don't like to, um, I don't like to criticize people really on their appearance. But the amount of effort Trump goes into looking like he's tall, skinny, and has hair is mm. quite comical. Um, but yeah, like yeah, it, it, that chair has definitely never had a, a fat, racist, yeah. genocidal man trying to hide farts. <laughs> the uh, literally the only difference between the two is that um, he wasn't smoking and he wasn't drinking in it because he yeah. doesn't smoke or drink. Doesn't he? No, Trump has never. He doesn't drink at all, apparently, and he's never smoked. Hmm. Well, never smoked tobacco. Hmm. I'm pretty sure he was like on the the nose powder. Quite oh, yeah, a bound lot. to like bound that to. kind of stuff. But as far as I as like as far as I'm aware, I'm not sure if it's put about as part of his like. Hitler was a vegetarian myth-making. Yeah. Um, but apparently, yeah, he doesn't drink. It's because he read like some Mishima when he was younger, and he's like, I'm going to be like Mishima. <laughs> <laughs> In many ways, he is like Mishima. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, he t- yeah, he went to, yeah, that Blenheim Palace, and he went to... Yeah. He, went to oh, God, he did do that thing when he was... Took, it was I was quite glad he didn't mention Wales, probably, because he doesn't know about Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he was saying, like, I've got loads of friends here. I've got loads of friends. The people here love me. I own lots of property in Ireland and Scotland, and they all love me. Because you know what people like in Ireland and Scotland? People who own holiday homes. Absentee landlords. Yes. <laughs> they love The Irish home. particularly, very, very proud of the number of absentee landlords they've had throughout history. <laughs> they have monuments to them. <laughs> um, they have a march. <laughs> they have a lot of marches. Um, um, speaking of marches, yeah, um, that was the big uh, march on Friday. Uh, yeah. The anti-Trump march. Yeah, I, it wasn't really a march, was it? It, it, was, it, was, it? it was definitely it was a march. A short one from Portland Place. To um, it wasn't a very long like march, but it, there were a lot of people there. Yeah, I, it did look like a I was at work on Friday, um, and I probably would have gone um, if I hadn't been at work. I was in hospital because I had a spider bite. <laughs> you, you were being assaulted by the forces of nature. I had. Uh, I nature had turned on you after so long. Um, I thought me and the forest were good. Yeah, I thought me and the forest were good. I make regular sacrifices to Sanunos. Yeah, um, I do all the right things, and still a spider was sent to me. Masturbated into a tree root. Uh, um, yeah, I do. Yeah, all, you I do, do, all, I do all, the all the good stuff. All the stuff. All the stuff. Um, but yeah, so I had to. I was in. You I know was, how it is. It hasn't had any rain for a few weeks, and it's it's surly, and it sent its minions to cripple you on the day. It, and I actually heard from somebody. I actually uh, I work near where the the march was going down, and I actually heard from a lot of people that if you'd been there, uh, Trump was going to resign. Mm. Yeah, it just needed one more so white it guy. Just needed, <laughs> <laughs> it just needed one more angry white guy. Um, uh, so, but it was. It seemed quite. It seemed quite big. It took over all of Regent Street. It was marching for a good ten, fifteen minutes. There were a lot of kind of. Of the same kind of signs as you've seen a lot of Trump protests. There's a there's a huge yeah. like there's a huge. I saw someone with a sign that said like "What would Churchill have thought?" And yeah, stuff like that. A lot there's, of a lot of mixtures. There were a lot the of English like, don't know their history, do they? No, they don't know any anything way. about any no one from even a generation ago. No, they 
they have heroes that are set up to them by numerous BBC documentaries. Yeah. I love um, that in and like the, that's now unquestioned. Like the English gammon canon. Yeah. Um, all that Churchill did was he punched Hitler. Yep. Smoked, yeah. And was vicious to women in parties, making him the greatest Englishman ever. <laughs> um, yeah. And they're quite happy with that. Yeah, they're absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. As long as he maintains that role and we don't talk about India, Ireland, Wales, the north of England. Uh, I think parts of the south of England. Yeah. Um, everywhere, that, anywhere that caught his eye and fancy. Singapore, Gallipoli. Yeah. Uh, anywhere else? There must be. South Africa. A, I bet he was fucking horrible. Uh, he, fought the, he fought in the Boer War. Well, I say fought. He went there as a journalist in the Boer War. Which was where he got his... Uh, he really loved that man of action when he was younger. And uh, he, he was one of those people who were, you know, yeah, know, notepad in one hand, revolver in the other, that kind of, that kind yeah. of guy. Chasing around Dutch um, farmers. Yeah, yeah, essentially. But there's something... Like, I'm not going to shit on the anti-Trump protest. I think that anything that gets people out in the streets in service of a cause, no matter how poorly defined... Um, even if it's just as a show of resistance, yeah. that's that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm totally okay. Because with that. Trump was nowhere near it, I think it was as good as it could have been. It was it, if he had if he had been if he had stayed in Scotland, mm. you know, if he had not come into London at all, if he if he'd not he didn't come into I London. Mean, he didn't. Oh, I suppose he, he didn't, went to Chequers. He? he went yeah, to Birmingham. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, because I suppose the, the re- closest he came was the airport. Went, went to Windsor. Yeah, he went to um, um he went to Stansted. Stansted, yeah. And um, all of his people drove. They drove down Forest Road. They shut down Forest Road for a while. (laughs) Um, But there's definitely things about the dynamics of the protest that you could not criticise, but it was a weird. It's a weird moment in this particular culture war because you've got kind of the sides line up. So, like on the pro-Trump side, you've got like the far right and the alt right lining up, essentially with the kind of passive acceptance of the state. Yeah, because the state invited him. They felt they had to. They couldn't really not. But you've got those guys on that side. You've got kind of lefties being a bit like a get like apathetic about the whole thing yeah. because again, I, I I imagine most lefties in all good faith thought it was kind of pointless and that kind of thing. Um, on the kind of anti-Trump side, you had a weird kind of it was a very much a liberal. Mm-hmm. Liberal March. I wouldn't necessarily say middle class, although those are the kind of people who have Fridays off, who can um, get Fridays off for that kind of well, thing. Well, no, it wasn't just um, just. That. Um, it was very much. It was, there were that. left. There were left wingers there. Like yeah. the unions came out, and yeah. you know, um, it's like socialists came out, and all that kind of stuff. Allied with kind of like, like I say, li- like liberals and progressives of most stripes, um, and the kind of more modern, like neoliberal conservatives. Mm-hmm. Whether they, I don't know that they were on the march. But most of those signs could easily have been held by like a conservative mm. and who was um, opposed to Trump. Nick Clegg was there because of you know how oh, dare I've, they besmirch the I good name of the World enough. Trade Organization? Oh God! How dare you, good sir? It was a hor- how dare you imply that NATO is bad? A horrible tweet just before he's like, right, and you can hear him rolling up his sleeves in a Blair in a Blairite style, rolling up his sleeves and saying, you may talk about. Span, you may lock Spanish uh, Mexican immigrants in cages. You may call uh, Muslims. The KKK your friends. You may call the KKK your friends. You may call all Muslims rapists. But I will not sit by and hear you talk shit about my sainted WTO. <laughs> yes, it's so. It was so painfully on brand for that man. It's like I just got the image of one of his children coming down. Papa, what is it? While he's sitting there in a darkened room with a small glass of milk. A single tear rolling down his eye, <laughs> glinting in the moonlight. The World Trade Organization has taken a foul wound this day, son. <laughs> that Civil War painting of, um, Father, what did you do when Trump besmirched supranational organizations devoted <laughs> to global capitalism? <laughs> and he's just like shaking his head and holding his chin. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Nick Clegg um, was there, so. <laughs> Kind of, uh, <laughs> and it was it was a, a weird kind of protest because there's so many different routes that people have taken. I think the the, the pro, I was thinking about how the protest was kind of a a distillation of the global response to Trump. Hmm. Like nobody can seem to pin a proper line of attack, 
I mean, now, the American political system, like most like Western political systems, certainly the British one, is closed off from outside interference. Mm. So if you're not a senator, if you're not uh, an MP, you've got fuck all influence mm. on stuff, really. You vote yeah. every four or five years, and that's it, really. Yeah. And what's interesting is working out how a liberal discourse, like liberal hegemony at large, what handles it tries to grab in order to attack Trump and make life, either life as difficult as possible for him or to actively get him out of office outside of a normal like, political cycle. Yeah. And like, you know, don't get me wrong, almost all of them are failing miserably. Mm-hmm. You know, they attack his appearance. They attack his stupidity. They attack the fact that he's a, a failed businessman. Despite the fact that people have been calling him a failed businessman for fucking years. Yeah. And he doesn't believe he's a failure because he's still, like, wealthy. It's kind of depressing that, like, there's a part of me growing up playing a lot of cyberpunk games. Mm-hmm. You kind of hope, you know, well, not hope. You you always have this idea of, like, the deep state and, yeah. like, the new world order and all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of sad, like, finding out that Father Christmas definitely doesn't exist. That the deep, deep state definitely doesn't exist. Or if it does, it's shockingly incompetent because he, he still isn't dead. Well, no, I think the deep state does exist, but it exists in a it's different... Not, it's not it, like a thing that can get anything done other than general it, kind of pushing in a certain direction. You know, like, in this country you have, like, a kind of a general push towards, like, to the right and to globalised capitalism. Yeah. That kind of thing. But it's not like they go out of their way killing people to make sure it happens. They just sort yeah. of funnel money towards Boris Johnson every so often and give him his job at the Telegraph back. <laughs> You know what I mean? That co- but like, I, I know what you mean. You, if you compare, like, you can compare, like, saying I want the, twelve saying, men in shadow sitting yeah, around a table, smoking cigars and showing pictures of you know the JFK assassination yeah. from an angle you've never seen. Yeah, I got really upset because I was I listened to LBC all the time, despite the fact that you know they had Steve Bannon on, and that was fucking horrifying. Yeah, because every so often you get a great phone call, and this week I had a great one of a bloke defending Donald Trump, saying, and he started it off perfectly with. See, it's common knowledge that since the assassination of Kennedy, America has been controlled by the deep state. Since? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and Sheila Foggett, he said, is it common knowledge? And he went, it is in my circles. <laughs> in my circles. <laughs> and, you know, I love that shit. The meetings I attend. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and I love that shit. I, look, I do love it. Like, when you say the deep state, I think, obviously, you it, it, it can definitely get into that mode of conspiracy thinking. I don't think it has to be conspiratorial to think about the deep state. No. There is a huge military industrial complex, um, not not even allied, but uh, kind of that moved toward roughly the moved towards roughly the same goals. Mm. There's a thousand fucking intelligence agencies, each with people in them who think that they're in charge, but mm. they're not, and they butt heads against each other and they put their own schemes into effect like any other organization that's the that's the difference between when alex jones says deep state and when uh, i (laughs) alex jones's favorite pupil (laughs) says deep state uh i don't think you can deny that it exists going like an old king to the 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 court of oh shit the court of charlemagne (laughs) (laughs) but it's just alex jones doing lines of crystal meth they don't talk about how he never sucked a ding dong also, the idea that like on like on the on the right, they think the deep state is something that needs to be stopped because it's all on Hillary's side. I've got to say they're not. And on the liberal side, it's like why won't they assassinate Trump? And it's like, well, if you look at them as just an organization dedicated to the things that organizations are dedicated to, mm. why would they? Mm. He's going to continue funding them. Mm. Over and above what they need, he's going to continue to allow like the NSA and stuff to do things in other countries that, mm. in in whatever way he wants to, he's going to continue to give the FBI, you know, the ability to undermine left wing groups, and environmental groups, and stuff like that. It's it's the same in this country. Like, yeah, you you are surprised sometimes by how underhand they are because you think, oh god, that's so cliche. You, you wouldn't imagine coppers infiltrating like a union group or an environmental group in mm. this day and age and yet there's always stories that like coming out about it yeah you know anyway that's a uh, another issue um there did seem to be people taking him slightly more seriously which i suppose i like better 
like there are people you know with um saying you know how dare you put people like protesting against putting people in putting immigrants mm. in, immigrant children separating them from their families mm. putting them in cages um talking about how like he's a nuclear madman like that kind of stuff and yeah. you know i like it i prefer i suppose of that like anti-trump milieu mm. i prefer it when when they go serious with it not when they try to satire him out of existence. No. When they try and microaggression him. Yeah. That's what really, I suppose, annoyed me about most of the stuff with, with Trump. It was like so much fucking fawning over the Queen oh. as this repository of dignity and national pride against this... Like, there's a certain kind of anti-Americanism that really fucking rubs me up the wrong way. Mm. Like, that British superiority... Um, that, that there are wayward child. Well, yeah, that like they're Rome and we're Greece or you know that kind of that kind of bullshit which only leads to a certain kind of reactionary nationalism mm. about your your Englishness yeah you know definitely and like the way as well that the notion of rebellion and the notion of resistance has kind of been commodified because like it's not like it, it, it's like everyone's absorbed Star Wars and mm. now they're all in Star Wars or they're in the fucking hated Harry Potter metaphor all the time. Please read you a know? different book. Please stop. Please read a different book. <laughs> Please read a different book and watch a different film. <laughs> um, um, the thing that was really good about the Trump protest is <laughs> just how much it makes the likes of Piers Morgan get really angry. And uh, it's, yes, I really yeah. like having people that angry um it's it's really entertaining. you watch you watch a lot more good morning britain and therefore piers morgan than i do i watch an awful lot of piers what's morgan. his deal what piers morgan i've been thinking about doing like we should do an episode about him about his wholly about him because he is a mystifying figure to me he seems he like he uh, he's the most successful contrarian but he doesn't seem to realise that he's being a contrarian or maybe he does and is playing a deep game of actually he's completely cynical and amoral and it's, just... yeah, it's definitely one of those he's either the smartest man alive or possibly the dumbest man in mm. existence um, he is unbearable the only reason that he's that Good Morning Britain is watchable is because of people like Susanna Reid being pissed off at him mm. um, and things like that that's Although, literally... did you see what um, Susanna Reid tweeted when people were mad about doing the interview? Oh, she probably said doing the interview. Pro- what, interviewing Steve Bannon um, or Trump? No, interviewing Trump. <laughs> Which um, one of the fascists that he interviewed was, yeah. were people annoyed with? Um, to all journos furious about the Piers Morgan interview with Trump, you can pat yourselves on the back for the brilliant interview you didn't do with the president. Well, Piers Morgan didn't do an interview with the president. He didn't do he an just, interview. He did just, a puff piece. Yeah, exactly. He did literally an entertainment And if there's piece. anything you know about um, about Donald Trump is that anyone can... He's willing to let anyone do that. Yeah. As long as they appear to be on his side. Yeah. He literally selected him. It's not like... Like Emily Maitlis as well responded to it. It's like she said, Agreed. 90% of the hard work is landing the interview in the first place. It's crazy not to recognise that and credit no, him. No, he used to work for him. And it's like, by that metric, like... Everybody who works for him, everybody who's gone to a Trump rally has done an interview with Trump. Yes. You know, it's yeah. like he didn't put any work into it. He selected him because he's literally the most famous pro-Trump person mm. that you could get to do it. Mm. And he clearly fucking despises him mm. as a person. Like, he's physically uncomfortable um, around him. I mean, Trump is physically uncomfortable with Piers Morgan. Um, everyone is. Yeah. Every, everyone is. Everyone is utterly... No, I have never... I've, I've After watching a lot of Good Morning Britain... There is literally no one that looks comfortable to be in the same room as Piers Morgan. And I mean, we've been making these jokes, not even we, we as a culture mm. have been making these jokes and these um, these hyperbolic kind of statements about Piers Morgan for fucking decades. Well, you think, have I got news for you? Years and years ago yes. with the Piers Moron stuff. Yeah. And Private Eye have been doing that since the early 90s. Yeah. Nothing can kill him. It's cr- it's no. crazy. We'll do an episode at another time. We should do all another episode because it's just baffling. This when him. we were thinking, of, when I was thinking about, oh, what did Trump do? He went on a you know Piers Morgan interview. I was like, oh my god, who is he? I need to know. <laughs> I need to know where he fits because someone like Nick Cohen, for instance, yeah, right, another person who I fucking despise. Mm. I have followed his career for mm. years, and it is a logical, if stupid, to trajectory. Mm. But Piers Morgan, I have no no clue about. Mm. You know? No, it's, it's crazy. Utterly baffling. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, then Trump went to Scotland and he played some, played some golf. Yeah. I did see, um, 
even with all of his security at Greenpeace, guy managed to paraglide like almost on him, <laughs> um, which is kind of funny. Kind of funny. And then he went off to Russia, and no, he went off to um, the place to meet Putin. Uh, he's gone to Helsinki. That was it. That's yeah. where he went to meet Putin. Um, um, he's gone to meet Putin, and, and uh, then he fucked that up. <laughs> said to, what did he say? Because like, uh, there's so much noise okay, um, around him meeting Putin. That... He said that um, he he said that he, that Putin said that he said that Putin said that they didn't interfere in the election, and then Trump said, "I don't see why they would." Yeah, and then he got told off <laughs> in private, and then today he said, "Actually, I meant to say would." Um, <laughs> he's done it like three times in a week. I know. It's he's the three... most. He's the most. I hate him. Right. I yeah. hate him. Let me just. Let me just get that out there. He's antithetical to everything. He might be the end of human civilization on <laughs> earth. He might be the harbinger of the end of this particular mm. period of Western and world history. But like a dodgy water slide in the middle of America, it's gonna be really fun before we get decapitated. But he's literally taught. He's literally blown every single protective measure that discursive measure, I should yeah. say, that the state has of protecting itself. The actual discourse and hegemony around how democrat liberal democratic states organize themselves and the kind of increasing fall into authoritarianism mm. that most people on the left have been documenting for kind of 40 years mm. um he's he has completely stripped that down which is quite mad yes um it is utterly bizarre yeah but yeah so that was that was friday yeah so that was friday then um, saturday was a I think more important, more important on like a day to day basis. I felt, I think we felt that it was if we were going to attend one protest this yeah. week, make it this one. Um, yeah, um, so we I, went on the anti uh, free Tommy uh, march. Yeah, so I bandaged up my leg. I cut out what was left of the bad tissue and then literally bandaged up my leg. Um, <laughs> and we didn't want to march with the SWP. Mm. UAF or stand up to racism or the Labour Party. Yeah. Um. So he went with the other march, and it's um, like the longer it's so, got, the more I fit, felt. So like, like we marched up from where was it? Um. Uh, Jubilee Gardens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um. Yeah. So we went from Jubilee Gardens up, and we weren't going on the official route. We were going specifically because the official march wasn't going to do fuck all. I wanted to go to the more important one where we were likely to stop anything really nasty happening. Like, the police corral... We, we didn't want to go with the ST, SWP. Yeah, we basically. didn't want to go with the SWP, so we went with, the other, no. we went with other people yeah. to do stuff. And um, we went up to Whitehall, and marching through Whitehall is... It's, it is always an exercise in futility, because that is literally the seat of power... <laughs> It's the most the heavily British policed. State. It is uh, shocking. There and I've been like, on, I've been on other like anti yeah. marches before. Yeah. There's been plenty of police, but it's when it was in like Birmingham or well, it's just, whatever. Just there were things. there were always less police. Little you know? things like even in London, um, like compared to like compared to Whitehall, hmm. other bits of London have plenty of alleys to run down yeah, in case yeah, you're yeah. going to get kettled. Say, yeah, um, you don't have that option. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so we march up, and then as we get across the bridge to um, the House of Parliament, then we all stop, and there's a load of, are they? I think they're pro. They're either pro Trump, pro Trump, or pro Tommy people. I think they were pro Tommy people. They were hanging yeah. around outside the pub, and there was a lot of shouting. Couldn't really see much because you know you're in a mass of people. Yeah. Um, but then, out come out along comes the official march while we yeah. wait politely for them, and then yeah. funneled in behind them. Yeah, and held the end of Whitehall. Yeah, the end of um, like we were with the people at the end. Yeah, yeah and held this one end. And while we were holding this one end, um, I felt uncomfortable with the merging anyway because I didn't want to march with abusers and the people who cover up for abuse and generally trots and all that all their ilk. Yeah. I didn't want to go on a march with. I don't particularly want to go on a march with the Labour Party, um, but yeah. So I felt uncomfortable then. But then, as we were there, and it's hard getting information. These kind of things. We were being told that they were that the that fascists were going to be coming in from where we were. Yeah. So we should hold that line, mm. and so we hold that line. We held that line for a couple of hours, and yeah. as if anyone's been on those marches, they are 
boring as fuck. You're standing around. And it's so sunny. Yeah. It was so sunny. It was like 28, 30 degrees and sun. And it's all no white light. stone. Yeah. No shade. <laughs> it's, you know, it's hard. So you're doing that. And we're doing that. And then this van comes down. The lorry. This big, lorry. Big articulated lorry. Um, before this lorry comes down, though, there's like getting the odd report on the phone of like the, the fascists are all in Trafalgar Square, which is at the other end of the yeah. road we're on. And it's like, okay, but we've been told to stay here. Okay, we'll stay here. So this lorry comes down. I wonder what the lorry's about. Then we see all the um, stand up to racism, UAF, Labour banners all turn round and start coming back towards us. And they filter through and they come through to the front. And then the side of the van comes down. And there's David Lammy and some Unite people who then proceed to give a bunch of fucking speeches about how good they are. Um, which rubbed me the wrong way. And yeah. then we left. Yeah. Um, it felt wrong and gross. It was weird. The dynamics of these things always work as far as like... Is that the, fair the biggest approximation? I, th- I think it's a fair approximation. I mean, there was definite, uh, definitely a, a weird kind of, of feeling. I just wanted to see people. a proud boy. Yeah, I didn't get to see a proud boy. In I saw the, some bait, the, I saw some roasting gammon. I might have seen a football lad. You saw the usual. You saw the usual. Dude. Like, look, you were all in the BNP. You were all in the. EDL. Yeah, I've seen those fascists you've before. Seen them I've before. seen them so you've many got, times. You've got I a polo shirt. You've got a polo shirt if you've got a shirt yeah. on at all. Yeah, exactly. Like those guys. I and wanted look, to see a man look, in a Kekistan flag. They were always like police always like try and keep the two marches separate oh, yeah. if they're going to go on, which is that's just that's just what happens. Um, but there was something about I saw this that you saw the lorry kind of pull up in front, and then it was like a load of Unite speakers and the 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 other march, the the um, UAF uh, like official march, the, the yeah. larger it was a larger march, all kind of always substantially funnel, always all funneled around the front of us, like you said, and took their places in the front. It's presumably so that any banners that they had could be in the front, as opposed mm. to like the bunch of anarchists and mm. people who we were with. Um, and like, yeah, I get it. Um, popular front and all that. But I wasn't keen. I would have liked to take down some of those SWP uh, posters, but it would have been a fucking futile gesture because somebody owns fucking stock in a print company in the SWP. Yeah, it's, they have so much shit. It's they were. I saw them at Oxford Circus on the Trump protest as well. Mm. They had four huge tents mm. around Oxford Circus piles of papers like, I, I know they always I felt do more, I felt more because like it was me and you and a friend of ours and I hadn't really been with I haven't been with any of these people before hmm. um, I've on my own like torn down SWP posters and written yeah. Google Comrade Delta on yeah. petitions before. you should Google Comrade Delta by the yeah. way and I've been shouted at and I've just gone yeah yeah fuck off um, I felt way more awkward about doing it there because I had no idea if I had no idea if people would turn on us. To be honest, um, I don't. I, I I I don't know. Some of those. I'd, some of the, the thing is there was a very there was a very specific difference between. You can always I like I recognise a couple of the old trots. Mm. I recognise a couple of people that I've like seen photos of and read about and seen yeah. before at these things, and they're not very nice people. Yeah. And I didn't know how many people would back me up, and I was so hot, yeah. <laughs> so hot. Um, it felt really galling to be that melt to be melted that much for David Lammy to give a speech. Really, yeah, yeah. Um, and unite who you know turfy turfy turfy. Yeah, there were a few people shout. I I didn't know any who any of the unite speakers were. Oh, I didn't know at all. But there were a couple of people shouting like turf at mm. um, some of the people, which is obviously not what I go to. Yeah. Uh, demos for mm. I don't go to demos for that. I don't carry a bag. And, full, uh, I don't carry a bag full of extra water yeah. and food in case I'm going to get cattled yeah. to make it easier for David Lammy to get the photo op he wanted to get. Yeah, that wouldn't yeah. have been why I would have gone. I wouldn't have bothered going yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I wanted to go there because last time they I were always... massively outnumbered by fascists and there were not enough people standing up against them. Yeah, and that's why I went there. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I you know, I always think it's like I try and do it, try and do it when we can. Um, and it's like it's always good I always feel good after I've been to like a mm. demo or something like that because it's like it's not often I'm around a lot of people who kind of are on the left and it's nice to be around things like that I'm not, that I'm not a very, 90%. I'm not in a party I'm not in an org an org of any kind mm. you know I've, I've always felt very separate from that like partially because when I was like during my 20s I was travelling around towns a lot and working um, and you know, just never in one place mm. really long enough to know people and have friends in those areas. 
Um, but it's always really nice to to kind of be like, like I say, be around yeah. people who who think the same. You know, solidarity and strength yeah, in numbers and, nice. and all that kind of thing. But like, I think it's like it's weird in in particularly in Whitehall when they're starting to get more organised now because they have a nominal cause in this like Tommy Robinson thing. Mm. Which, um, to be honest, until I could, until someone's given me a proper reason why he's taking pictures of all those girls, the man's a paedophile. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I say, like with the Trump protest, it's always good to get out and like feel your feel politics outside of looking at MPs, listening to MPs, yeah. reading newspapers. Yeah, it's always very very nice to do that. Um, but it's it's really difficult to kind of work out where we are in this moment because it is a very dangerous moment for fascism kind of on the rise again Mm -hmm. um we're not really sure how the alt-right i mean obviously the alt-right and the like tradition traditional if you like far right have melded Mm. in a lot of cases i mean you have raheem kassam speaking at this thing you had gerard batten speaking at this uh free tommy how dare Lally. you imply that Gerald Batten has links with Tommy Robinson? <laughs> yeah, that was something, wasn't it? Yeah, that was something. He was like, there, he was going to news night story about. He was how kicking off. Yeah, it's like how dare you besmirch his good name? <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have we'll do an episode on but about. I think we should right, do the state of the all right in this country. At the yeah, moment. Oh, um, I was had... heavily just basically. I was all of it comes down to it doesn't come down to being um, feeling like I was manipulated and used. All it came down to is I needed a photo of a proud boy for my sticker book. <laughs> I needed a picture of somebody, some fat dude, dressed up as Leonidas. Yeah. 300. Yeah. Carrying a full shield. <laughs> I just wanted that. Or a Viking, maybe. Maybe a Viking. Mm. That would have been good as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I think we should... going to these marches, but... No, 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 um, no. But like... it may... I'm going to be a bit more wary, to be honest. There were a lot of fucking people who had no idea about the fucking picture etiquette. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's a thing. Um, um, but yeah, so I'll tell a final thing. Yeah, so um, our final story of the week. Um, Labour Facebook fraud. Yeah, it's a weird one. Right, so the story is uh, Tom Baldwin, who was Ed Miliband's former Director of Communications, Mm -hmm. has got a new book out called Control-Alt-Delete, How Politics and the Media Crashed Our Democracy. I hate it already. Um, I read a short extract. You are almost certainly right. Good, good. Uh, in this book, he alleges that Labour HQ spent £5,000 of party cash during the general election last June to convince Corbyn and his particular media circle that ads were being displayed to a large section of the population. So they wanted to, the inner circle wanted to spend a lot of money on voter registration, mm. getting non voters out um, to increase their vote. Because, and because the kind of person that's most likely to vote for Jeremy Corbyn is the kind of person that hasn't voted for the, for a while mm-hmm. or has never voted before. Um, various people who aren't named um, are alleged to have uh, spent five thousand pounds, paid Facebook to put it up, put like micro target this very small people, a lot of people around the Corbyn communications team to convince them that these ads were um, being shown to a wide audience, whereas actually they were not. Like a high-tech version of when the GLC used to put the unemployment numbers in front of Margaret Thatcher's offices. Yeah. Um, uh, <coughs> yeah, a labor, an anonymous Labour official says, they wanted us to spend a fortune on some schemes like the one they had to encourage voter registration, but we only had to spend about £5,000 to make sure Jeremy's people, some journalists and bloggers, saw it there on Facebook. And, like, that's sabotage just designed to demoralise like we've heard all the stories about what happened during the election Mm. of Labour Party officials um, trying to lock uh, McDonnell and Corbyn out of headquarters Um, we've had like obviously there was a lot of the overt criticism the absolute barrage of anti-Jeremy Corbyn sentiment Mm. in the party at large but this is just so petty and there were some people there was um, Hopi Sen who's an ex um, uh, Labour communications guy um, who is, you know, right at the top of his, uh, was right at the top of his game, mm. a very successful election agent, joined Labour in 2005 when their vote started going down massively, mm. <laughs> um, who was joking about um, 
the time when they got a fake Elvis to perform at one of Gordon Brown's speeches hmm. and was holding it up saying, this is why we sometimes don't let the leader's office do just what they want to do. And it's like, it's two different things. Mm-hmm. You were putting on a stunt. Mm. He was trying to get people, new Labour voters, to register. <laughs> it's not the same thing. No. It's just, it's such a... Oh. Like, I suppose at the end of it, none of it really mattered to them because they were so sure he was going to lose. Mm. They were so sure that if it came out, it would be them being smart to try and limit the damage. Yeah. That was their rationale it's like for the it. the idea of like, Limit the damage how? Like, did they think that you'd have, like, Mondeo man swing voter say, see a thing like, oh, look, Jeremy Corbyn's trying to get my kid to vote. Well, I'm definitely voting Tory now. <laughs> do, 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 yeah. you know I mean, like, what, what was their, their logic? I mean, I Other imagine, than just, we're going to just hamstring I imagine there's, a, there's the a, uh, like a financial thing. They thought they were spending money on the wrong things, so mm. they were enforcing their own particular priorities. But also, I imagine, like, they've become so... Um, They've weirdly enough, they've become like the left was for so many years. Mm. They've become so sure mm. of themselves, so sure that they have the 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 direct line to what the real people want, mm. that they have the silent majority. Like Trotz has been saying that for years, mm. that oh, it's one more push and then the working class will support us if only we yeah. sell a few more papers. Yeah, and it's that logic transposed into onto the Labour right. They were so sure that they knew exactly what they wanted. They just didn't, but. They just didn't want to be embarrassed. Mm. I imagine part of it was not wanting to be embarrassed in front of the other election communicate, like the other the other election agents. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, we can't go and drink with the Tory election agents and have a bit of banter while we look so stupid by Trying asking to win an people election. vote. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. They're just... How would I hold my head up high if we elect a socialist? <laughs> <laughs> And just the how proud some people on Twitter were when this came out. Like, mm. how proud they were that they were so clever mm. that they managed to subvert their own party. Yeah. They're making it really, really easy to fucking turf them out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's been a, quite a few people in the Labour Party kind of upper management. Because surely it's justification for kicking them out. Because it's. Well, a lot of them have resigned misappro- anyway. Yeah, it's misappropriation uh, all the, all of money, the, surely. That kind of shit. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, like, bylaws or whatever, yeah. but no organisation. Like, as we said with John Woodcock and Margaret Hodge, no organisation can operate like that. No. It can't possibly do that, you know? Um, they're making it really fucking easy as well to persuade people that. Uh, the Labour Party needs an entire rethink mm. about the way it organises itself and that it needs to be based on democracy and a mass movement. Mm. Um, there was always the danger, I think we spoke about it last week or a couple of weeks ago, about how um, <clears throat> the risk is with a general election being called sooner rather than later is that Labour will not have done enough to distance himself, distance itself from that kind of politics, from those kind of people, from that kind of machine an organization and it's as an organization it follows the rules of organizations it wants to perpetuate itself mm. they're not going to abolish themselves no you know um it's not just a matter of maneuvering the good people into the existing machinery the machinery itself is built largely by uh, tony blair and, and new labor in order to ensure a kind of distant electoral winning machine yeah increasingly that of course can't win elections no not at all you know, um, and like there was a there was more talk this week about um, yeah um, they were always the people who would do things like you know talk about severing the link with the unions mm. because ultimately their goal and the goal of the Labour Party if it's just a parliamentary machine it makes sense for them historically to try and sever the link with the unions mm. because they want to turn it into the new Liberal Party. Mm. Because that's the <laughs> respectable party for that class. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that organisation leads to a rebirth of the Victorian Liberal Party. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're just they're making it really fucking eat all of them, mm. like all of those those kind of MPs and uh, party party workers are making it really fucking easy to see the justification for, like I say, passing. You know, one man, one vote, yeah. and uh, be letting um, mandatory reselection and letting CLPs um, uh, reselect, deselect their MPs. Yeah, mm. 
at least and choose how choose how the advertising how the um like leaflets and shit like that mm. are done it looked like the ones around here were terrible they were like there's the Wolf and Forest ones they didn't mention the manifesto at all yeah they were they were embarrassed by it yeah which is crazy yeah and seeing the thing is, there's people in the Walthamstow Labour Party and in like well to be fair the people like her were definitely not embarrassed by it but um I think the split in the Walthamstow Labour Party is pretty 50-50 between like mm. kind of what you know Blairite shills mm. and very much not. What's marked is that the stereotype of them that they probably wouldn't share about themselves but secretly kind of live up to is the idea that they're amoral mm. um, vote winning machines. They will do mm. anything to win the vote except do something to win the vote. Mm. Yeah, you know, it, it speaks really to it speaks to an ideology behind just it's mechanical. A- it's like, uh, it's like, like managerial politics. It's like there's honour in winning the vote by taking a policy from the BNP. Mm. There's no honour in winning the vote by offering people... Offering redistrib- redistributive wealth. Yes. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Okay, so that's us for this week. That's yep. episode 61. Uh, as usual, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo. And you can follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. Cool. And we'll see you next week, probably. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Bye.